thank you for listening to our podcast. We pray that the word that you hear on this program will encourage, strengthen, and motivate you to do the will of God. Be blessed by today's message. Tonight, we're going to kind of continue in the direction of prayer. And tonight, I want to kind of expound a little bit on a topic that all of us ministers have ministered on before. You've heard this before, the model prayer. It's the Lord's Prayer. Something that it's not something that we have never heard before. And when we as a church do something together corporately, like we're doing, we're praying, our main goal is not so much to be repetitive as we are to be consistent, fervent, effectual. That's what our purpose is. The Bible says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's our whole goal. And we've got to keep that in front of us like a carrot in front of a donkey is is going towards that carrot. Our goal is to be consistent because it's what the word of God says. And this type of prayer, the Bible says, is powerful and it is effective. And when we do go to God in prayer, you got to go to God believing that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And if we don't go to God with that mindset, then, then it's kind of purposeless and it just kind of, it's doubtful. But when we go to God in prayer, we've got to go to God knowing that he is a rewarder of those who dil- diligently seek him. Why are we praying? Why are we doing this? I'm going to quote a scripture that we've heard multiple times, 2 Chronicles 7.14 If my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray. I don't want the word of God to become something I memorize like a phone number or a recipe that we've always got it up in here that we can always say it. And there's so many times I can just, I know Josh, you could probably say anything. You quote a scripture and it's just, it's just second nature to you, but it's a shame to say there's some scriptures that I've quoted since I was a kid that I could say off the top of my head, but I've never really experienced that in my heart. And I think it's time that it, it goes beyond head knowledge and it gets in our heart because we're living in a time that we've got to have some bread to give. And if we don't partake of the bread, how do we know what to give today? I want to break open this word and I want to eat of it. We are to hide his word in our hearts. Why are we supposed to hide the word of God in our hearts? So we don't sin against him. We want to please God and we can't please God if we're living a life of sin. And if we don't know what is sin, then we're not seeing what the word of God says. So it's a, it's, it's a, it's a universal thing. You get it all when you read the word. There's two places in the Bible where you will find this model prayer in the book of Matthew and the book of Luke. And when I was reading these two passages of the Lord's Prayer, I noticed for the first time that some of the wording is a little bit different. So I'm going to read both of them together, and then we're going to kind of go on. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Jesus said, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 
Luke 11, one through four says, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And Jesus said to them, when ye pray, say, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our bread and forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In Matthew, Jesus was teaching them how to pray right after explaining to them how not to pray after having heard the hypocritical religious leaders praying. Jesus was teaching them how to pray. And in Luke, we see that one of the disciples asked Jesus how to pray. And I thought, why did the disciples ask Jesus how to pray. And I think I've mentioned this before, a question that I've asked myself as well. You think, after seeing this miracle worker, why did they ask him how to pray? Why didn't they ask him, how do you do these miracles? Teach me how to do a miracle. Teach me how to pull money out of a fish. Teach me how to do these spectacular things. But it wasn't those things that the disciples were intrigued with. It was, teach me how to pray. Well, they asked him how to pray because every time they noticed, every time Jesus came back from out of his place of prayer, something always happened. Every time Jesus went to the wilderness and went somewhere to pray and he came back into the crowds, or into something miraculous, always happened. He was always empowered. Miracles were inevitable when Jesus came from prayer. The possessed were set free. The lame were walking. What a prime example, if I stop right there to say, when we go to God, are we understanding what Jesus did and how he prayed so that when we, we ought to have enough faith that when we go to God in prayer, that we ought to know that when we've tapped into the glory of God, that we're getting at me, we're coming out with his presence upon us. As Moses came down from the mountain with the glory of God shining from his face, we ought to be able to get into the depths of his presence, into the Holy of Holies, to where when we come out, we have accomplished something. I'm not talking about works, but we have fought and we have pressed and we have prayed and we have touched the throne room of God so that when we come out, there's glory upon us and then we can minister once we've received and we that's why the Bible says pray without ceasing. And it doesn't mean to pray all day long, every second of the day. But there's a, there's a state of meditation in the Lord that you can just consistently thank upon the Lord. And that's praying as well. But we should always be in a mindset of prayer. Starting off with our Father, which art in heaven. We know God is in heaven. Jesus is sitting at the right-hand side of the Father. And it is the Holy Spirit that is upon this earth doing the work and the will of God, bringing out bringing forth what God's plan is upon this earth. Hallowed be thy name. That word hallowed is just to invoke holiness. Hallowed be thy name. How many knows that God's name is holy? Sometimes I forget that it's holy. Sometimes I catch myself saying the Lord's name in vain. Exodus 20 verse 7 says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. God's name is to be kept holy. 
you know, there were a day and time that the Jews were so fearful of saying the name of God that they would only say it when they were praying. And in some of the manuscripts, they wouldn't even write the full word G-O-D. They would take the letter O out. It would be G-D because they were so afraid that they would be speaking it or writing it irreverently. And when I was, when I was thinking about this, I thought, Lord, how low our society has come from where we would take the abbreviations G-GD as a reverence toward God to where now that is a cuss word. The abbreviations GD is a flat out cuss word and how we have fallen from a reverence to the name of God when his word clearly tells us, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And I know I catch myself all the time if I get scared or sometimes, oh my, and, and we have to really be aware that that's still, it's still the same thing. We have to be cautious to not take the name of the Lord, the Lord's name in vain because his name is still holy. He's still the same God that the Jews in the, in the Hebrew times rev, revered and we still need to have that reverence in today. Thy kingdom come. Up until the time Jesus had come to earth, the kingdom of God had been sort of withdrawn, so to speak, from Adam and Eve in their, in their sin. And so God sent Jesus to prepare the earth for the kingdom of God to be reestablished back to earth by the Holy Spirit through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. So this is a spiritual kingdom that Jesus is bringing, not just physical, but a spiritual kingdom, not of this world. Luke chapter 17, verses 20 and 21 and when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, Jesus answered and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. In other words, he's saying, you won't see it with your fleshly carnal eyes. You're looking for a kingdom that is not what you're going to get. You see, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they were looking for this king to be born and birthed and they sit upon this throne that would just rule over the nation. He would just be so rich and so gracious when he came in a different, humble Way And it's not what they looked for. He said, you won't say, lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And that puzzled the religious leaders because they weren't looking in the right direction. Thy will be done. This prayer is a hard one for us sometimes because God's way is not always the way that we want. Romans 12 verse 2 says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I've read this verse for years. And a few years ago, I heard someone kind of dissect this verse and I was kind of listening to it, it kind of confused me. But then I started thinking about why in the word of God, why would there be an option? And this is just my opinion. I'm just going to give you what I feel. The word of God says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Why didn't the word of God just say that you may prove what is the perfect will of God? Why is there an acceptable will of God? Why is there an option? That word acceptable is not necessarily ideal and God's way is perfect. 
Well, I started thinking about scenarios in the Bible like Abraham and Sarah. God had laid out his perfect will for them and they decided to kind of pull it toward their way and it became an acceptable will of God, not his perfect will. Ishmael came from that and although Isaac came about, there was an acceptable situation that wasn't ideal in between that kind of caused conflict. The Israelites begged and begged and begged, we got to have a king, we got to have a king, got to have it now, don't care now how I want it now. The right thing at the wrong time. God's perfect will was for David down the road, but they begged and pleaded, we got to have as a king, and God's acceptable will was Saul, and it did not turn out to be good for them. And I think, how many times do we beg and plead and push and pull against the perfect will of God until God knows that we're so bullheaded, so strongheaded, we're going to get our way, and God allows things, and it becomes his acceptable will, and it really is not the ideal situation for us. But I feel like if we take this verse, if we consistently live in this state of mind to where we're transformed as we're renewing our mind, why do we need to renew our mind? The Bible says that we are not to lean on our own understanding. So if we're renewing our mind, then our mind is going to be in line with what the perfect will of God is. Jesus asked his heavenly father with sweat and blood running down his face to let the cup of death on the cross pass from him. That lets me know that Jesus wanted something different. He was flesh and blood just like us. Jesus didn't get the answer he would have liked to have heard. I know that sounds so weird to me even to say that we think Jesus, knowing Jesus is perfect and he was sinless and he would have never thought this, but Jesus prayed three times, please God, give me another way. Let me let this cup, this cup of death pass for me. There's got to be another way to do this, God. But he got up from that place of prayer with blood and sweat and tears only to say, nevertheless, not my will, not my will that would be acceptable, but your perfect will be done in my life. And had he not done what God's perfect will was, no matter how hard it was, we wouldn't have the plan of salvation that we are benefiting from today. on earth as it is in heaven. It is so hard to imagine a place that is perfect. It is so hard for me to imagine a place without sickness, without tears, without pain, without heartache, without sin. It's just unfathomable to me until I read the word of God. And it takes faith to believe that he said, I'm gonna go prepare a place for you that's better than where you are now. It takes faith for me to believe that, but I have to. He wants us to benefit from the goodness of heaven while we're on this earth. If it's your needs, Philippians 4.19. Now that I've expounded our imagination on what I just said, I want to read a scripture that we quote all the time. And my God shall supply your need according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. So the goods are on earth, but the provision is in heaven. Think about that. 
the goods of what you need may be on this earth, but the way you're going to get that, he provides it from his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. He orders your steps. Heaven's economy is booming, church. There is no lack in heaven. They don't have to worry. They don't have to come out with, uh, with the stimulus check. They don't have to come out with some way to bail us out. There is never going to be lack on the spiritual side of this kingdom, the kingdom that we now are a part of. That's something worth shouting for. And we have, I have to remind myself of that. Because when I'm not walking in the spirit, yes, there are days I'm not walking in the spirit. I rely on my flesh and my carnal thoughts is, how am I going to do this? How am I going to afford this? How am I going to pay for this? How this, how that? And then I forget, wait a minute, not your riches, but your riches in glory through Christ Jesus. And I've got to uh, renew my mind in Christ Jesus on a daily basis. We all have to do it. Otherwise, we're just going to just get burned out and just forget why are we even doing what we're doing anyways. So it's, we've got to remind ourselves and chew on what the Word of God says. Not just read a scripture. Don't just swallow it whole. Chew it up and benefit. Let's get this in our heart and get it. I need to pull the Word of God out of my mind and just pull it down in my heart. I don't want to just remember, memorize this Word. I want it in my heart. So, so how, do we, how do we tap into this kingdom with no lack? It's not, it's not earthly. It's spiritual. The Bible says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, not meat or drink. In other words, it's not just rituals and laws. The kingdom of God can't be tapped into by works. You can't get what you need by just doing good, being a good person. I'm going to keep paying my tithes, keep being good in my family, keep taking care. I'm going to keep working, keep doing what I need to do so I can get what I need to get. That is not how it works. It's not about what we do, but it is about what he has done for us. According to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus, that is the only way. In fact, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the goods except through me. The only way to get, the only way to, get to heaven is through Jesus. And the only way to even, while you're on this earth, receive from the riches of heaven is through Jesus. There is no other way. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus said, man cannot live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. When I started thinking about this daily bread, how we're supposed to partake of the word of God, I started thinking about how, and this is just a weird concept, so just kind of bear with me. This may sound silly, but I hope I can, hope I can break this down to what I'm thinking. Have you ever seen someone bake a homemade loaf of bread, or you've ever sit down to a meal that just looked like a five-star course meal, and it looks, looks so delicious, and you say, it looks so good, I, don't want, I just don't even want to eat it. It just looks so pretty. It looks so delicious. A, a, a birthday cake or something, it looks so pretty, I don't want to eat it. And we just sit there and we look at it and we don't want to touch it. And I feel like we do that with the word of God sometimes. Sometimes we adorn ourselves with the word. We make it fashionable and we say, oh, my Lord, this scripture is so nice. Let me, and there's nothing wrong with this because I do this. Let's po- let, me, let me fancy up the word and put it on social media. And we send it out there and we make this uh, beautiful 
uh, adornment of the word of God and we present it and we haven't even partaken of it ourselves. You know what I'm saying? It's like telling someone that there's a restaurant down the street that's really good and you have never even ate of it before. You don't even know what's there. Or have you ever went to a restaurant before and you sat down for the first time and you asked the waiter or the waitress, how's the, mo- how's the meatloaf? I don't know, I'm a vegetarian. Well, how's the salad? I don't like salad, I don't know. Well, how's the baked chicken? I don't know. And you're like, I need you to help me. And we've got to start partaking of this word. We've got to start breaking the bread. You know, we we're praying, God, give us this day or daily bread. God gives us this bread. And if you're anything like me, when you get excited about something that God speaks to you, he shows you, it's like the first thing I want to do is I want to go tell somebody. I want to go call somebody. Look what the Lord showed me this. And then God's like, just stop for a second, break it, and eat it yourself. Because until I eat the word, until I partake of the word, once I have tasted, then I can come to someone else. And when I notice someone else is spiritually hungry, you know, you see someone that's begging for bread, like you're going to give them something to eat, right? So when you notice that someone is spiritually hungry, once you have partaken or you've broken that bread and you've ate of the word of God, then you can go to them and say, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Only after you have tasted that you can actually truthfully tell someone that the Lord is good because from experience, and you could say, look, here's how I know because I tasted and he did this for me. He brought me through this. I once was lost, now I'm found. You know, your testimony is food to people because you're telling them, you're, you're witnessing to them about what the word of God has done for you and through you. But we've got to taste it first. Let's chew it up and then let's give it. Nothing wrong with posting stuff. I'm, don't get me wrong. I think it's, very much needed to post the word of God on social media. It's very much needed, but I think we need to get it in here before we give it. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This is, this is a hard one for us to pray sometimes. A lot of times we come to God with prayer. We go to God in prayer, and then we feel like there, there is just a brick wall above us Sometimes this is the reason, not all the times. And we wonder what's going on, God. I'm praying and something's going on. And then the Lord will reveal to you about some unforgiveness. And Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15 says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's hard. In other words, what he's saying is don't come to me and ask me for forgiveness until you have forgiven those who have done wrong to you. That, that is a big piece of meat to chew and swallow. Yes, it is. Because there's some things that people have gotten done to them. In Isaac's point of view, they don't deserve to be forgiven. They don't deserve to be forgiven. They deserve to be shunned. But... If I'm going to renew my mind in Christ Jesus, and if I'm going to be a light and not hide the light, if I want to make room for the Holy Spirit in my life, I got to do it God's way. I can't go, I don't want to go the acceptable will route. I want to go to the perfect will route. And the only way to do the perfect will is to do what his word says. 
forgiving those that have wronged you? Does that mean you got to turn around and be best friends with them and go eat with them every day and go to that? That doesn't mean that. There's some people that have wronged people and those people are no longer around. And for years they have lived in unforgiveness. And it's simply saying, I forgive because he has forgiven me. I can never grudge to the certain point that I forget the wrong that I have been forgiven for. And until we learn to forgive in God's way, every person is different. God will, God will speak to you on how to forgive. God will show you, God will guide you in how to restore relationship, whatever it means to let go of that grudge, God will reveal it to you. And his perfect will is to do what he says. And then we can come to him with a clear slate and say, God, forgive me of my sins, God, as I forgive those that have sinned against me, God. That's the word. In fact, Jesus looked up on the cross out of any person that was ever born on this earth and had the right to have a grudge or have hate was Jesus Christ after he had been beaten and whipped and his beard was plucked and heartbroken for the people that had, you know, throwed palm leaves down just previously and worshiped him coming into town. They nailed him to a cross. And the last words that he spoke was, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Prime example. You say, well, I'm not perfect. I'm not Jesus. Well, we are supposed to imitate Christ. And I'm going to take a scripture that we usually use for something, something different. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I can forgive through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I don't know why I'm staying here for, but there's got to be a reason. The Bible says, I can do all things. And if all things is forgive those who have wronged me, then sometimes you just got to say it out loud. I can forgive because the Holy Spirit's going to help me forgive. I may not be able to do it on my own, but through Christ, yes, I can and I will forgive because I'm moving on. I'm not going to stay stagnant in this place of unforgiveness and uh, hopelessness because the enemy will come in like a, 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 a like a, a, a gnat or like a fly and lay some maggots in that place of, of staleness and unforgiveness. And before long, you're dying and you're molding, you're decrepit and you don't know what's going on. But we've got to let go of grudge and unforgiveness if we want to move on. And if we want to get deeper in the presence of God, we've got to let that baggage go. Amen. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. James 1, James chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 says, Let no one say when he is tempted that I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So we have to acknowledge that God doesn't cause you to sin. God doesn't cause you. God doesn't... Um, plan for you to be in a situation for, you know, you know, your temper is going to get, you're going to blow out of proportion. God doesn't make those scenarios happen. Life just happens. Sometimes we make wrong choices. We end up saying or doing things we shouldn't say. Sometimes we, we are, are, are uh, when we're not walking in the spirit, because that's the whole point, 
when we're not walking in the spirit, we're fulfilling the lust of the flesh. We're either going one way or the other. And when we're walking in the spirit, we can look up to heaven and say, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So that prayer is actually a, it's a, an awareness that as I look to heaven, he's going to lead me away from temptation. It's not that we're saying, God, why did you lead me into that sin yesterday? No, it's just a, it's a, it's a, a renewing your mind. And when you pray that, your face is set toward God and you're saying, God, lead me away from temptation because I'm facing you, Lord. But when we're walking in the flesh, the Bible says each person is led away by their own desires and enticed. Galatians 5, 16, like I just said, walk in the spirit and then you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You have to be one step ahead of the devil. He's not stupid. We are. He's not stupid. And I don't want to glorify the enemy, but the, the devil is real. He's not just some red cartoon with a pitchfork. He was an angel of light. Does he not know your weaknesses? Yes. And another scripture that I've quoted before, we, the Bible says to be sober, be vigilant. Because the devil is going around like a roaring lion. He knows what your weaknesses are. So the moment that we stop walking in the spirit, you better believe that he's right there. Like he's not at home tired from working all day long trying to tempt people from, from, people from sinning. He don't work like that. He never stops. Those demonic spirits that are attacking each one of us on a daily basis, they don't get tired like we do. Hello? They don't. They don't stop. That's why the Bible says be sober, be vigilant, always be alert. Because as soon as you start slowing down, guess who's going to start speeding up? It's the enemy. And we can't be stupid. We've got to be smart. We've got to be ready for when the enemy comes. Amen. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. We're beginning with praise and we're ending with praise because he deserves the praise. Amen. And, and, and I'm going to end with this. The last word of this prayer, amen. Say amen. amen. You ever really notice what that word means? It's just something that, that's it, uh, Brother David. It's just for years I said amen, and I'm like, we just say it because that's what it, we were always taught to say amen. We're just agreeing to it. But the Hebrew definition to that means so be it. It's a declaration of faith that what you have just brought before the King of Kings, what you have just petitioned God for, that you are believing that he is going to do it. When you end your prayer with amen, you're not ending it with doubt, you're ending it with faith. When you petition God and you worship him and you say amen, you're saying, so be it. God's working on my behalf. I'm leaving it there and I'm not going to wake up tomorrow morning saying, well, God, how was this? Why is this? I wonder I, if, if, no. Amen says, stop. Yes. Yes. All of God's promises are what? Yes and amen. As long as you're not praying nothing ridiculous, as long as what you're praying for doesn't go against the word of God, you can bet your bottom dollar when you say amen, you are agreeing by faith that you've come to, to you come to God who is a rewarder of, of you who have diligently sought him. 
you got to you got to start the prayer in faith and you've got to end your prayer in faith because without faith you can't please this God we're serving without faith you can't please him amen praise the Lord thank you Lord Jesus for your word thank you Lord Jesus for what your word does Lord Jesus I praise you Lord God I worship you Lord God Lord Jesus, we, we don't just want to adorn ourselves with your word just to be fashionable in this culture of church world, God. We don't just want to be cool with this Christianity, God. We want to be true, God. God, we want to break your bread, Lord Jesus. When you give us the word we need, God, we want to eat it, Lord Jesus. We, God, we want it in in our hearts, Lord Jesus, because we know that once we get your word in our hearts, your word grows in us and it keeps us from sinning against you, God. Because once we know the truth, your word says that your truth sets us free, God, and we're free indeed, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus.